Hi, and welcome to episode eight of Go Team, the sports history podcast that tells you the stories and histories behind all your favorite and probably your not favorite teams, teams you don't like. Yeah, just teams. I mean, last week we did the Washington NFL team, and, you know, I mean, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, I'm sure they have a fan base, obviously. They're extremely popular, obviously, they are an NFL football team, but... Guess what? I'm a Bears fan, so... What no, else? and guess what? Oh, what's that? They're changing the name. Get out of here. I am 100% serious. Was it in the news? It was in the news. <laughs> did you miss it? I did not. I saw. <laughs> so they're changing the name. No word on yet if they're picking Red Foxes. Fingers crossed I heard, for Red yes, Foxes. Red Wolves, I heard, was in there. But I love the story about the guy who was like, I'm going to buy all these trademarks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was... Um, so what was that story again? Uh, basically, a guy was like, I'm going to buy all these trademarks. <laughs> <laughs> did he buy the actual trademarks or did he, he buy like... like uh, the- yeah, he filed for trademarks uh, for a bunch of the different names that were being like proposed out in the, in the, in the media. So <clears throat> That's pretty Next, smart, though. Yeah, he's, I, I did see one thing. He supposedly doesn't want any money for him. Or, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't fully get it. So why would it. he buy him if he doesn't want money for him? I don't know, just to mess with people. I I mean, respect either way, because I also <laughs> super enjoy messing to, with people. One of my favorite things to do at work is tell people really subtle, kind of stupid lies about myself to see if they'll believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently have a person that I work with who believes that I lived in Japan for an entire summer. Uh, Wait, you know, that doesn't matter. But You, d- you didn't? I, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> Learn something new every day. You know, no, I don't speak the language, though, because there's so many things in English in Japan. You don't have to. This is what, this is what I say to this person when they really well, now question. Now they know. If they listen to this uh, podcast. I'm also a real good off-the-top-of-my-head liar. Like, this this other person I work with, she cannot tell a lie to save her life. So we, I would make her practice and be like, okay, ask me to have dinner tonight, and I'm going to give you three lies. Mm. And you're, and I'm just going to keep rolling with them. you got to roll with them. you got to roll the, to, the, right off of it. You don't want to give too much detail in a lie because that right. is always, the, you see right through it. You want to make it kind of embarrassing, but yeah. not super embarrassing. All this makes me concerned. For our uh, marriage? No. Uh, for this podcast. Oh. <laughs> want to reassure our listeners. Oh, no, I'm not lying. None of this is lied. It's all been thoroughly researched. No, yes. Very, we do a, we do a lot of We do a lot of research <laughs> on this. One, because I, I also don't like to make mistakes on things. Um, but we do a lot of lot of research. So, uh, Washington NFL team check taken care of. Now we're. I mean, listen, they're coming for the rest of you. Chiefs, they coming for you. Cleveland Indians, they coming for you. So yeah, a lot of actually a lot of them have already said that they are going to begin exporting it too. So I mean, it's honestly just the right thing to do at this point. You know, it, I think it's um. And to be proactive about it and not wait until a group of activists has to sue you in federal court. Just be proactive and make the change and do the right yeah. thing. And as we learned with the uh, New Orleans Pelican story, sometimes you're just like, you know what, we're changing our name. And everybody's like, okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's not, a, it's not as big of a deal as you uh, uh, might think it is. Right. This the, the I th- I feel like the name change around the Washington NFL team is controversial because people make it controversial. Well, you don't have to make it what it is. You don't have to stir the pot in it, and you can just say, you know what? If this name has hurt people's feelings, and it is disrespectful to a whole several different nations of people, why would we want to be the dudes who do that we don't want to be those dudes yeah. and if you're a fan of the team you can say yeah our team finally stood up and said nope it's wrong we're going to change it like be proud of that if you're a washington nfl team fan i say sure take pride in that that they they have listened and made a change i think yeah but we're not going to do american sports this week josh no but we certainly are doing football we are but before we get into what we're doing I also wanted to briefly bring up, because it's kind of been, <laughs> he just made a face because I'm apparently rambling at me. Um, I wanted to bring up our newfound love, Formula One racing. Oh, yes. If you have not watched the Netflix docuseries, Formula One, one, it is the perfect escape for right now. 
It is completely has nothing to do with coronavirus. It has very little to do with like how terrible things are going in our country, how terrible race relations are going. It is just about Formula One racing and drivers and their teams, and you get completely and 100% sucked into it. And we have been sucked in. And what did we do this morning when we got up? Yeah, we, watch, we watched some Formula One racing. Yep, we did. Yeah. So if you need something to binge watch on Netflix, I highly recommend that because the drivers are so charismatic and there is so much behind Formula One racing that I had zero clue about. We're science? Science! Physics? <laughs> Engineering! <laughs> and I get NASCAR's a thing here, obviously, duh. But Formula One's so different because every track is different. Mm-hmm. And they are really, like, have to navigate. And they have these huge teams of people, which I get. Yeah, I know NASCAR does, too. But it's just different because, like, Mercedes-Benz is obviously dominates everybody. Well, you would know this if you watched Formula Just watch, One. Just watch it, and you'll, you'll, you'll learn really quick. Yeah. But anyway, that's I wanted to briefly shout out Formula One and the Formula One show on Netflix because it's super good. But yeah. this week, we are doing football. But not football Americano. Football as in we would call it soccer. But we're going to call it football for this show because that's yes. what they're called. Well, I'll do my best. I, I may slip into soccer here or there, but uh, for the most part, yes. I also football. might slip into soccer, but we don't mean American football. We mean soccer, which I, I don't know why the... It used to be called soccer in England, and then they I changed know, it. They changed it. It's a whole... Should have done some research on it, but I said no. This I, is well, only we're not researching <laughs> the not history the of soccer. We're, we're doing team <laughs> names. But we decided to do this because, one, um, soccer, football is the most popular sport in the world, by far. And in Europe, it is, I mean, we have Major League Soccer in the United States, but it doesn't really seem as, well, yeah, I mean, there's not as permeated as our other professional sports, because we have such huge superstars in other professional sports. But it is like that in Europe, and there's a lot of interesting, I think, a lot of teams are just named after the towns that they're in. Some aren't, but there's other interesting parts of their names that I never knew about. And soccer is pretty exciting to watch. It looks exhausting. Oh, certainly, yeah. Unless, I mean, I mean, if you're the goalie, you're not running as much. Yeah, but. that's true. Goal, what the hell are goalies doing? They have well, it easy. they are stopping all the no, kicks on goal. They're the they're lazy. They're they're the lazy athletes of. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. Searching for hate mail. No, just just kidding. But both we have two um, two of our three children uh, play soccer. Our middle son plays soccer. He's also super tall and lanky, which I feel like is the soccer body kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, soccer's kind of his jam. It does seem to be like a kids' sport in the United States, but I'm feeling I mean, like yeah. it'll change. It's yeah. changing. I think I said other than professional, but like you said, MLS is pretty big, and of course. You, it, we have to acknowledge the U.S. women's team, which is oh my completely gosh. dominant on the world stage. So. They're like the best soccer players in the world, right? I yeah. mean, they're amazing. And they uh, deserve to be paid equally to the men because they could kick their butts up and down the field, is my guess. So why don't you just pay them the same, right? Yeah, they deserve that's, it. that's definitely a, a crazy debate. I feel like they probably have earned uh, more through their play, but... Even if they haven't earned it, they're human whole, beings. Like, and they e- deserve economics to be paid. of the game and sponsors and all kinds of. Oh, there's yeah, like the it, FIFA right? people so. are terrible people. I know it's different, but still. Anyway, so thus we are doing football. I think you go first this time because I went first last week, okay. last episode. So whatever, I think whatever it's you like. All on you, babe. Hit it. <laughs> all right. Well, fantastic. This is uh, so. I'm gonna. We're gonna start. With the story of a loved and beloved baby boy. Oh. A tiny little baby boy. Okay. Born in the year 1886. We're going way back again. Don't we always? We always do. And it turns out, though, as, as this, uh, just quick side note, I, I feel like there's a book here. I'm ready to write it. Just need the deal about how all... 
professional sports began in roughly 1886. <laughs> it, that is the late 1800s, early 1900s. It's it obviously so is the true. Culmination like of what? It's well, because the industrial right? revolution. Right. So there's expendable income and blah blah blah. Anyways, yeah, and time. That's anyway, totally out. But speaking of money, wait, 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 wait. Copyright on that idea. Yes, gotcha. Copyright. Call me up, Random House. We've got I'm that idea on the relation of sports book. to the I'm industrial down. revolution. Don't do it. We we own it. So we're in 1886, and a beautiful little baby boy has been born in Madrid, Spain, and uh, and at the royal palace. And uh, at the time, a, a, a baby boy is is born, and uh, he, this baby boy would grow up uh, to be uh, obviously King Alfonso the Thirteenth of Spain. So he was a prince when he was born. Correct. Okay, you left that part out. Uh. Well, it's kind of it's kind of hairy. Oh, he wasn't a prince. So, you see, his father had died just before he was born. So he would have been the king. So when he's born, he's technically the king, even though he couldn't truly become king in Spain. They didn't fully uh, do the coronation until he was 16 years old. 16 years later, however, technically, king. In the meantime, his mom would be. Uh, what is that, the magistrate? The regent? The regent, yes, sorry. Uh, so his mother was the one who was uh, in control at that time as when, when he was growing up as a young lad. But uh, in 1886 he was born, and he was beloved, and he was uh, beyond regal and, uh, and as much pomp and circumstance as can be bestowed, so much so that as a little tiny baby boy he was presented to the prime minister of Spain at the time, on a silver platter, naked as the day he was born, to show his uh, regal and elegance to the prime minister. Well, I hope they put a blanket And then uh, just a few days later, they wrapped a golden fleece around him. There's no such thing as a golden fleece. They wrapped a golden fleece. I didn't say the golden fleece from mythology. A golden fleece was wrapped around him for his baptism, in waters that had been imported to Spain from the Holy Land, the Holy Land River Jordan, of course, dunked as a babe with the golden fleece, held up, honored, bestowed amongst all children as the baby king. And it's reminiscent people, of how what we did for our youngest son. Honestly. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I start with him because uh, at that same time is when professional soccer was football was starting to become more of a thing all across Europe yep. and obviously in Spain as well and Madrid was a, was obviously a hotbed as one of the biggest cities in in all of Spain was a hotbed for uh, for football clubs as well and the Madrid football club mm-hmm. had been formed and it was early 1900s and uh, and things are just chugging along and somebody Mr. King Alfonso the 13th getting coronated and so this whole country's like we're gonna go crazy. We're going all out. It's party time. Of course. And you know what? You know, besides football, what do you think is gonna happen? Bullfights. There's bullfights. There's parades. There's drunken debauchery. And of course, in 1902, the first ever uh, football tournament is held in Spain in Madrid in honor of of the king. So of his coronation. So they host uh, this uh, this tournament. And it's the, the first one that's been had. And obviously the Madrid Football Club was one of the teams that participated. Wait, and at this time is the Madrid Football Club amateurs? Correct. Okay. Uh, and p- p- began becoming professional the following year in 1903. The Copa del Rey was formed by the Royal Spanish Football Federation. And the Copa del Rey was uh, the, the tournament for the king. So the king's tournament. Began, Copa del Rey, yeah, del and Rey uh, and that begins in 1903. A year later, after the the initial tournament to celebrate the coronation of the king, and so football just starts to take off, and obviously Madrid, uh, the center of it all. So the Madrid Football Club is uh, extremely popular. People are really loving it, and uh, and over the course of the next uh, about 15 years, there's some give and take, right? There's like, oh, maybe this. This should be the way it should be, and like the soccer federation should be ran this way. And people are just like lots of infighting as to like how it should fully be established, and who should have control, and all these different things. And then as it goes along, as it gets starts to pick up speed, they finally some things start to get solidified and becomes more of a professional rank as they head towards the late 1900s. 
and heading into uh, the, the 1920s. And also at this time, things there's obviously unrest in Europe because World War I is happening, right? Late, late 1900s. And then a uh, uh, little side note for our current uh, uh, parallels is guess what king... Oh, I know this one. Oh, what? he died. I know what you're gonna say. He didn't die. He got the he, he got, got the, the influenza of 1918. Yes, which That's we now the know as the the Spanish flu, but it really didn't come from didn't Spain. Didn't come from Spain. That they were trying to be neutral from everything at the time. They were trying to stay out of the war. They were trying to be neutral when it came to things, and so their their media was the only media that report really reported on like the true effects of the the flu virus at that time. And so it was in all of their newspapers that the king had contracted the flu, oh, and that yeah. went around the world. And it, the Spanish king has the flu. Spanish, Spanish flu. flu, and so but it didn't come from Spain. It didn't come from Spain, but he, but their their media was the one that reported on it. Wow. Yeah. So crazy parallel. That is to a crazy this time. parallel. But really, today we're talking about soccer, uh, soccer and football. And yeah. So what does that have to do with everything? Well, he survives the flu. Thank God. Yes, he survives the flu, and uh, and so it was all that golden fleece bathing, probably. right? And so he's known for one. There's one particular thing that he's definitely known for, and that's his love of football. I'm sure it got him through the flu. He was like, "I just gotta see another. I just gotta see another match. I just gotta get out there." It's what got. I heard it's what got him through was waking up every uh, day and hoping. I mean, I'm I'm predicting. I, I, yeah, I you know. Uh, revisionist history, maybe it's the thing that <laughs> saved his life. I have no idea, but so technically, could you say soccer saved Spain? I, uh, yes, it got well. I mean, I, I feel like soccer got rid of the Spanish flu, hmm. like just is what cured everybody. That's an interesting theory. Uh, and so, in 1920, freshly off uh, battle, his battles with the flu, uh, King Alfonso, uh, a rabid, rabid football fan is in love with the football Madrid Football Club and decides to give them a royal decree as and make them a royal club. Okay. Which he did for a few others as well eventually, but he does, does this for Madrid, and he bestows the name onto them from the Madrid Football Club to I don't, why Real do Madrid. Oh, that's what Real means. So Real means royal. Oh, and dang. they are they they become in 1920 the Royal Soccer Club of Madrid. So oh, Real Madrid, okay, uh, football club, and uh, and so then they're beloved, and uh, obviously the king loves them as well, and so that's how they got their name Real Madrid. But there's that's not the end of the story. You see, hmm. what happens then is just after that, uh, about this time. Uh, the what happens is that the there is a little thing we like to call the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, was and, a doozy. Uh, and that takes place over the next about ten years or so, a little less actually, but it's roughly a ten-year cycle. And uh, and during that time, they kind of lose the name Real um, Madrid, and they're just sort of the Madrid Football Club. It sort of ebbs and flows a little bit, but. Um, Following the Spanish Civil War, and then, uh, in, but roughly in 1941, they've restored the name to Real Madrid for the beloved Madrid Soccer Club, yeah. football club. And so it almost went away, but but everybody's like, you know what? That sounds real nice. It Real does Madrid. sound good. But like any great fan base, just the name isn't always enough, right? There's always nicknames. And there, there are a few really, really good nicknames for Real Madrid. And these come from a, a couple of different sources. But mainly, uh, uh, two of their nicknames come from their, a new word that you've learned, their kits. Ah. Their uniforms. I had to ask you about kits. Now, today. Real Madrid <laughs> is known today and, and became known back uh, in the day for their all whites, so they would wear all white uniforms, white shorts, white tops, and that was their clean, very uh, uh, regal-ish, like sophisticated, right, top of the line, top of the line, crispy look, looking, crisp yeah. look for their home games. Yeah, were they all whites? So with uh, obviously uh, Spanish being spoken in Spain, 
do you have a guess as to what the first nickname was? The Blancos. Los Blancos, right? And so obviously in the early uh, 19th century, there was no television yet. And so much of the, of the uh, if you couldn't make it to the stadium to see them play, you were listening to it on the radio at that time. So radio gameplay was already starting to get called and there was lots of uh, radio match, uh, matches being played on the radio. And so they were starting to call Los Blancos because they were describing the uniforms like... Right, Los Blancos. The whites, they're, you know, they're yeah. winning. So they get the name Los Blancos and that becomes an endeared name for them. And it's, it's one that's, uh, that's really hung on to. But uh, another uh, nickname, very similar... Having to do with food, okay, hmm. comes about at the same time frame for the radio broadcast. And one particular journalist, uh, Matisse Conete, I'm not quite sure if I pronounced his name right, gave them this nick. Supposedly gave him this nickname live on air because he, instead of calling them the Los Blancos, he called them the. Hey, do you have a guess as to what food? I can give you a hint. Okay, it's not Spanish. It's oh, French. What food is also white? Yes. The butter? No. The milk. It's a dessert. Um, sort of floofy on top kind souffle. of. Souffle. Mm, floofy on top. Meringues? Yes. The meringues? Yes. Oh, I See, do like meringue. But I was like, really? That is an odd choice. But it's stuck, <laughs> and it's stuck for uh, till to this day, and there's like fan. Uh, that called them the meringues? The meringue. Los meringues. Yes. Wow. That's one of the nicknames. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, you don't, like, what was this guy thinking that he was just like, oh, like, you know, uh, they I think like he meringues. was probably like, you know, the uh, meringue colored uniforms, right? Like, yeah. Just trying to think of a different way of, of describing, uh, describing yeah. the uniform. I guess and butter in, Fran in France isn't really as white as it is here either. It's pretty, like, yellow colored, but still. Yeah. The, the meringue. That is very bizarre. Yeah, interesting, right? Yeah. Oh, this. Uh, well, at the same time, I, I mean, just Real Madrid's just a cool enough name to in, in my book. Like, yeah. But I never. I get, I, you need nicknames. I didn't know. Another nickname that they've gotten, which again, I was like, really? That seems uh, like a nickname not bestowed upon Spaniards. Is Los Vikings? What? The, the Los Vikinos, the Vikings, and that was because. Uh, uh, supposedly because during the late 50s, early 60s, they were a very dominant team and they were described once as flattening their enemies like the Vikings did throughout Europe. Oh. So they were given the name. It's also, some people would say, uh, given to them be not because of that team, but because of they have apparently have a, a fairly strong history of uh, bringing in Germanic and Danish players. Oh, and so, because of that, they like like influence of Viking culture somehow permeated the team as well, which is interesting. Right. That is interesting. Which is also very interesting about European uh, football for me is that I you have this I, 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 because we're removed from it, and because uh, you know I'm not familiar with with European soccer as much as I as I could be or should be, perhaps. I, you know, as growing up, I always assumed that, like, Real Madrid was all, like, Spanish players. Like, it was all... Right. Like, you played for... It was almost yeah, like, like an Olympic team, team, right? Yeah, yeah. But not the case. I mean, it's it's a professional team that can bring in anybody they want. And so, and interesting enough, with the Vikings and the Meringues, you know, you get those influence of other areas. And yeah. And it sort of makes sense then, right? Like, you get, like, this blend it's a different of different flavor. things. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about uh, Real Madrid that's also interesting is that it's really, they're the ones who really sort of introduced like bringing in and competitive, competitively bringing in top players to the team. So like Ooh. they were the one, the first ones who were like, you know what, much like free agency in American sports, they mm -hmm. were like, we're going to go out and we're going to, we're going to drop some money and get the, best, get player. the best players possible. And that really began again in the 1950s uh, after world war two, when, Santiago Bernabeu, who was who used to be a player, was then the pr president of the club, was like, 
we're going to go out there and we're going we're gonna to get all these great international players and we're going to recruit them from all over the place. And they went and got Alfredo Stefano from Argentina who became one of their like, most beloved players of all time. Mm-hmm. It was a big coup of a get. Like, he helped them become this you know, wrecking ball of a team uh, or continue their legacy as a, a strong, uh, strong team in, in the European uh, sector. And, and they sort of kept building it such fandom because of that. Like, it really spread. They're one of the most famous teams in all of the world like people right, yeah internet like all, literally all over the world people love real madrid because they started recruiting all these players in from all over the world and uh and so they they found obviously great success from that one of the most successful teams in all in all of uh soccer history and uh so much so that they that even uh before like gigantic stadiums in the united states were being built they had built an eighty thousand person stadium <gasps> What? In Madrid for the, all these games. Like 80,000 people? 80,000. So that's like, I mean, today, like, a lot of, some of the college stadiums are that big. I know, but uh, I, st- I don't think I've ever seen one that's that big but with my eyeballs. They have, so they have, I they, can't wrap my brain around so they, it. So they, they were super popular. And, and then. Right now, just think of, the, just for a second in this time that we're in, think of being in a place with 80,000 other people. Like, does that make your skin crawl a little bit? <laughs> yeah, it's a little. A little frightening, a little, a little bit of a, of a weird scenario now after being so. Think how close, like when you go that? to professional sports games, how close you are to some rando next to you that you've never met, you know. And oh yeah. You're right. They're right next to you. Hey, as long as they're cheering for your team, though, it's all right. I guess, but still. So they they, they get this known, and then at that so then they go through a little bit of a lull in the the eighties and uh, early nineties before they're like. Uh, before they change leadership again, and Florentino Perez comes in uh, roughly around the year of 2000 and uh, starts leading the team, and he's like, I am not only doubling down on this whole, like, bring in the best players, I'm, like, quadrupling down. We're going to just drop as much money as you could possibly imagine on all the best players to try to win everything in the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you'll actually – I know you'll even recognize – a couple of these names. When the first, I know a lot about sports, Josh. David Beckham was one that for they sure. Know in, him, right? He married a Spice Girl. Yes, uh, and then obviously uh, uh, more. Wait, recent... David Beckham played for Real Madrid. Yeah, I thought he played. Uh, he did at one time. Yes, he's played for a couple different teams, but yeah. just like, like he, again, that sort of right. Like You're like LeBron like, James plays for the Cavaliers. Why, why but isn't he, David Beckham yeah. just playing for like Man U all the time and nobody right. else? Right, he should be playing for the British team. Uh, David Beckham also played, I think, the, for the LA Galaxy. He at did. One point. Yeah, he so. did. They had a reality show him and well, posturized posh? him when they moved to LA. There was a reality show about that. Yeah, about them moving to LA <laughs> and like adapting to that. And I remember distinctly. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, but right. I think about this a lot for some reason. Her taking a earthquake preparedness course in the reality show. Because, you know, she had lived in England. Yeah, she did. And she had no idea about earthquakes. And they put her in, like, this trailer that simulates an earthquake. And she just lost her mind and couldn't, like, handle it. But obviously they didn't stay there for long. Right. Uh, So David Beckham, uh, Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, who you know Cristiano Ronaldo. I do know Very handsome man. Very handsome man. Known worldwide for a statue that was once made of him that looked ridiculous. That is terrifying. (laughs) Stuff of nightmares, that statue. Google it if you haven't seen it. So they proceeded to do this. Uh, It's obviously helped them. But also they actually at one point, because of all this, like had insane amounts of debt. And actually, the city of Madrid at one point had to help bail them out a little bit because of all the <laughs> debt. Even though Real Madrid is like num- like top five earning uh, franchises, sports franchises in the entire world. Like, but they just were thing. like, spend the money. Yeah, because they were just like they're like the New York Yankees, kind of like the Yankees, but like European yeah, football. Yeah, so uh, very interesting. And so that uh, I actually give them another nickname of uh, the Galacticos. So the superstars. Oh, uh, wow. That's so much more fitting than meringues. Uh, but in the end, all of it, for really, for me, uh, you know, and uh, all, all their different names and nicknames, Real Madrid, I've just, I've always loved that yeah. name and obviously have it come from royalty and actually being bestowed a royal honor yeah. from the king, that, which, is, which is the last king of Spain. Oh, wait, what? No, they still got kings, don't they? No? I don't like so. kind of like figurehead well, yeah. kings, but maybe. like because the Civil War, then he was like right. the maybe they don't and anymore. All stuff I don't and, know. Listen, um, I I mean the amount of stuff I don't know about like 
other European countries and like how well, they, you know, we should know. You should, but you know what? I mean, there's a lot of stuff you got to fit in your brain. Oh my God, so much stuff. And uh, do you know how hard it is to keep Formula One racers <laughs> and their teams straight? I, that I've got to make space for that. I know, like Max Verstappen. Anyways, uh, so he's on Red Bull Racing. So Real Madrid, yeah, bestowed. By a once beloved baby boy. <laughs> Naked on a platter. Naked on a platter. Baptized grows, in a golden fleece. Grows up to be a, pretty much like, and, and actually the great thing about it is like, it's like his one, I mean, I, I don't want to like gloss over because he had, uh, as a king, had many things. But he like, did a few other things, you mean, other than just establish a soccer But like, team? When he, like when you do the research on him, it's like, uh, so he, you know, he got. He, he got the flu. He got the flu. He was presented on a platter uh, as a baby, much, much heralded, and was king immediately, which is kind of cool, yeah. right? Like, that doesn't right. happen very often. Like, no. that's a unique little thing for this guy. But that he loved football. Like, he, like perhaps if he, as the, the, the king at the time in Spain, hadn't been so such a ravenous fan. He would have seen the unrest and turmoil in his own country. He might have seen the own unrest and turmoil in his country. Maybe. Uh, but that, like, maybe helped lift up Real Madrid to be the the powerhouse of a team or at least the worldwide fandom of a team because he was such a ravenous fan first gives them the name Real Madrid right and uh and really sets the stage for that and so it's like you know it's just really interesting to me that you know it was a bestowed name um yeah, that and, is and, interesting. Yeah, because otherwise they probably would still just be maybe maybe just be the Madrid Madrid FC, FC football Madrid football club. And yeah, Real comes from from the king. Yeah, well that and their logo. Their there's logo, other Reals though too, right or no? Yes, he and actually um, the uh, King Alfonso did bestow the Real title to a few other teams in Spain that are still around. Uh, I believe so. I didn't do research on all of them. Right. Well, listen, uh, we can only do one team <laughs> a piece. But the fact that, yeah. But that, we have but three this kids, one, we can't do it all. I mean, obviously, he did the best one, right? Like, that was like, yeah. the, like they were, and they've won a bunch of La, La Liga titles. La Liga is the, the league in Spain. Like, they're like, they've won like 33 La Liga titles. They're like the beloved Spanish team right. from Madrid. And, um, and it all started with a, Naked baby With on a, a platter. A, a, a king baby. That's a good story. King baby on a platter. Yeah. That was good. That is super interesting. Timely I know, a little, too. Great timely with the flu tie-in. Yeah. See what I did there? You, Babe, I see it, and I you appreciate it. see what I did it. there? It was amazing. Do you want to say where you got all your information from? I do. I, I, uh, of course, uh, my boys uh, at Britannica.com. Oh, my God. Uh, We're going to have to buy stuff <laughs> in them. <laughs> or, Why you know would what? I not use the encyclopedia to get research? Hey, Encyclopedia Britannica, you could advertise with I did us, your, too. I did your, I did your crew uh, well, the, uh, the, the Wikipedia for some of this stuff, uh, and a little bit of footballhistory.org. Uh, so, but yeah, that, that was my, my main sources for all the great information yeah. I shared today. That was great. You're welcome. I feel like so much more informed now about Real. I mean, obviously, anybody who speaks Spanish probably, you know, knows that Real means royal. And we have a couple friends who speak Spanish. Could ask them. Just never have. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of the things. Like, yeah, it's Real. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's spelled real, right? That's how it's spelled. Yes, yes. Real. Same, spelled the same way, yes. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, I am also going to take you on a journey for my team. But before I do, I mean, I could tell you where I got my sources, but then it gives everything away. So we're just going to paint a little picture. And I'm going to take you to the banks of the River Thames in the southeast part of London. On back in the Tudor times to a lovely domestic Warren. Now, I know you might be thinking, what's a domestic Warren? Well, a Warren, in general, is a den of rabbits. That's called a Warren. A domestic Warren is a rabbit farm. They use rabbits for the meat and the fur, obviously. They, people ate a lot of rabbit back then. I don't want to eat rabbits ever, because I feel like, one, there's not a lot of meat on them. And two, like, ugh, I, the, I can't, the fur everywhere... It would be gross. So on this lovely scenic Warren, domestic Warren, um, 
I'm sorry, but I have, I have to interject. Okay. Because I'm really hoping that this football team's name is the Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be great? It would be fantastic. It's not. Or the Bunnies? No. Oh, oh God, the Bunnies. Yeah, no, it's sorry. not. Um, it, so the Warren is called the Wool Witch Warren. Warren. Not Wool Rich. Wool, W-I-C-H. Woolwich? I don't, people in Great Britain pronounce things that seem like they should be pronounced one way, a totally different way. So, Woolwich? Warren. Because that's the name, the area that it's from is Woolwich. Um, it's also very close to a dockyard that makes a lot of, uh, they would arm ships and stuff at this dockyard. So, the site was then... Years later, after, you know, Henry VIII comes and goes, purchased by the Board of Ordnance, which is a very British-sounding thing that just basically is responsible for, you know, governmental purchases and things like that. So the Board of Ordnance wants to expand the local, the wharf, the gun wharf at the dockyard, the Woolwich, Woolwich? (laughs) Makes me feel like I have a speech impediment. The Woolwich Dockyard. So they buy this warren to expand the land. From there is developed the Woolwich Arsenal. This arsenal is responsible for producing armaments, ammunition, and did a ton of explosives research. Just a ton of it. From starting in the 1700s all the way up until the very late, 1800s, early 1900s, into World War One and Two, they were basically in charge of arming, supplying, creating all the um, weapons, I guess, for the British Army. So here's just a little bit of information about the Woolwich Arsenal, which then becomes named the Royal Arsenal. At its peak, the Royal Arsenal was 3.5 miles long. It was one mile wide, and it encompassed 1,300 acres and employed 100,000 people. It was the largest military complex in Europe. So it just grew and grew and grew. And there, I mean, different sections of the arsenal were responsible for different things, making different things. People lived there. There were stores there. They, I mean, they had everything um, there in there. So by World War II, the Royal Arsenal was, had become a walled city. Why is it a walled city, do you think? Can you guess why it would be a walled city? Because it's an arsenal. Yeah, but why? <laughs> to do what? Protect it from yeah. spies. Oh, uh, okay. Because they were doing, like, bomb research Protect and stuff. Protect it from rabbits? No. The no. rabbits are long gone. You keep the rabbits in. <laughs> no. <laughs> they got the rabbits making all the guns and the bullets. Super Highly trained rabbits. rabbits. <laughs> I think I just... Okay, we're going to write a graphic novel about the... Highly wo- trained, the highly trained wo- rabbits. Woolwich rabbits. No, to protect it from uh, espionage because they did so much research and invented new bombs and weapons and things like that there. So it had this really high wall. So for years, the the Royal Arsenal was like a mystery to people, kind of. It was like a mystery city. They didn't really know what was in there. They didn't know what went on in there. It was just, that's where all the guns and stuff are made. So... It's kind of, kind of like I was when I was doing my research. I was thinking like, oh, it's kind of like an Area 51, a bit, or like if you want to be a weirdo, which I always do. Like you know, they have that weird big Apple campus in California, right? That's like completely walled and like you can't see into it. Or anytime they build something new at Disney World and they have it all blocked off, you can't see anything. Yeah. Arsenal, same thing. My my brain immediately went to the giant Anheuser Busch brewery in St. Louis. It's not walled in, but like the similar yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not right? walled like, in. Like there's a school there, and there's like the grocery store. And yeah. So speaking of that, so the arsenal was complete, was pretty much largely self-sufficient and self-run. Um, they, uh, but before I get to that, because uh, I my notes are a little out of order here. So because they made armaments and munitions and weapons, 
the Royal Arsenal was like a huge part of the expansion of the British Empire, obviously, right? Because how do you expand your empire? You do it with weapons. So they were a huge reason why the British Empire spanned so many countries and all across the globe. Um, and because of that, they grew, they kept growing and growing, taking in more land, taking in more land, and, you know, obviously the wall. So they were self-sufficient, self-run. They had their own railway. They had their own hospital, their own police station, their own fire station, their own telephone system. And guess what else they had their own of? A football club. They had their own football club. Their football club formed in, can you guess the year? 1886. 1886! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the magic year of 1886, a group of workers from the Arsenal decided to form their own football club. Now, it's amazing that that same year, a little baby little Alfonso baby was born. Was born. Stop trying to make this about your story. <laughs> so... Soccer in England at that time had already was already pretty popular, but it was mainly an amateur sport. There is a Netflix show called The English Game that came out in March um, that was is done by Julian Fellows, who did Downton Abbey, which I love. We haven't watched it, but I, after I researched this, I think we should watch it. It got pretty good reviews, and it's all about, like, um, it's not about this... Obviously, if you can't tell by now, I'm doing the Arsenal Football Club. It's not about the Arsenal Football Club. Um, I really thought you were doing Man U. (laughs) (laughs) Not doing Man U. Um, So it was already a very popular sport. Uh, Again, Industrial Revolution led to people having more free time because they didn't have to quite work as hard because there was machinery and things like that. Seven-day or five-day work week kind of started. Though at the Royal Arsenal, people usually worked two weeks on, two weeks off, and they would work like 14 hours a day. So they were like busting their humps. Um, not a bad, not a, I mean. Not two weeks off, but for when, the thing I read said they worked a 14-day work week. And I was like, that's not a week. And it, so I didn't understand that. Like, do people in England think a week is 14 days? Maybe it, maybe it meant to say 14-hour days. No, and 14-hour days. I don't know. They worked a lot. So, 1886, a group of workers decided to form their own football club, and they named it the Dial Square. After the sundial that stood above one of the shops where one of the guys worked. Um, so, they, the guys who founded it were David Danskin. He bought the first ball. That's, that's the starter right there. That's the guy. He got the soccer ball. Hey, guys, got the ball. <laughs> and if he gets mad, he's going to take his it's ball been, and go home. That's it. I'm going back to the rabbits. You've been <laughs> back to the rabbits. So David Danskin, Jack Humble, uh, Fred Beardsley, and Morris Bates. So Fred and Morris had previously, they had moved to um, Woolwich to work at the Arsenal. Before that, they lived in, in Nottingham of Robin Hood fame. That's where Americans, that's all we know it for. I'm sure it's a lovely place, but <laughs> that's what we know it. Sure. Um, so they played for the Nottingham team, which were called the Nottingham Forest. Come on. Nottingham. It's classic. The Nottingham Hoods, though. You're missing an opportunity here. <laughs> anyway, so they played for the Nottingham Forests. And they moved to, the ar- to work at the Arsenal. They formed this football team. And they realized, oh, my gosh, we don't have uniforms. We're so poor because we're just amateur football players, and we don't have uniforms. What are we going to do? So uh, Morris and Fred wrote back to their friends who played in the Nottingham team and complained about how they were, didn't have any uniforms and what should we do. And the Nottingham team sent them their kits, which I had to ask you about. <laughs> These uniforms. So Nottingham, the Nottingham Forest were red. So the Arsenal got these red uniforms, and the Arsenal is still red to this day because of that. When I read that, first it said that Fred and Morris um, got their kits from the Nottingham team that they used to play for. I'm like, oh, dang, they, like, went up and jacked them and brought them back and, like, stole it. (laughs) But they didn't. It was a much nicer story. They wrote and Nottingham gave them. Like, here's our old ones. Yes, here's our old ones. Here's our old ones. So um, that's why they were red today. So they played their first match. 
which they're not called games. They're called matches. Thank you. Um, in America, we say games. Yeah. We don't, even when our kids have soccer, we say they got a soccer game. They don't have a soccer match. They call them matches. So they played their first soccer match on December 11th, the magic year of 1886, <laughs> against the Eastern Wanderers, which I think is a great name too. And they totally destroyed them. They played them on the Isle of Dogs. It's not the Wes Anderson movie. Right. It's a place. But they destroyed them. They won 6-0. The Arsenal. Yeah. Well, at the time, they are called um, the, what did I say? They're the Dials? The Dial Squares. Um, totally destroyed them. After that, relatively soon after that, supposedly the story is on Christmas Day, they decided to change their name to oh, the Royal Arsenal. The magic. The magic of Christmas yeah. and changing your name. So uh, this, so they remained amateur, obviously, for a really long time. But there were issues because there was also professional soccer in England. So the players on some of the players on the Royal Arsenal got to be really good and were starting to be lured away by these professional teams, which upset some of the people. They tried to join the professional league. They couldn't. They tried to get in this other league in the south. They couldn't. It was just this huge deal. Of them kind of struggling and wanting to be professional but keep getting turned away and, like, having to move between different places to play. But eventually, the Football League in England invited them to join, and they became a professional-level team. And they were the first Southern club to join the league, which in England, I feel, I think it's, um, there's, like, a Northern-Southern kind of rivalry a little bit. If you remember, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie A Hard Day's Night, but I always think of the scene <laughs> where Ringo leaves and he's like walking along the river all sad and he like throws a rock in the river or something and a guy is going past him and like kind of like gives him a look and like he shouldn't be doing that and Ringo yells to the guy, Southerner, you know, like an insult because right. he's kind of posh and fancy and, you know, because Liverpool was in the north and they were not as posh and fancy. That's what makes me think of. So they were the first Southern team, though, to join. So they uh, joined in the early 1900s. They had several wins, several losses. I didn't do all the research on that, like the win-loss and stuff like that, because it's quite extensive for the Arsenal. And I mean, since 1886. Very hard to keep track of. Um, they During World War II, though, football was suspended in England, obviously, because a lot of players ended up serving in the war. From the Arsenal alone, nine of their players were killed in World War II. Several more um, had their careers cut short because of injuries, and I'm going to guess PTSD from the war. So uh, they kind of struggled during that time, but then came back and won three championships in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, have had wins, have had losses, have had they win some, they lose some. <laughs> they've had, they've won games, they've tied games, <laughs> and they've lost games. But in the end, but in the they end, they played games. They played with a ball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> their logo, their crest, um, I guess not a logo. They don't call it a logo. It's their crest has always featured cannons, though, because they're the arsenal. Um, Different forms of cannons. Sometimes three cannons were pointing up that people thought was a chimney, and now it's just like a cannon and a wheel. Um, Always on a red background, though, thanks to Nottingham. Also, they do have a women's affiliate, Arsenal um, Women's Football Club. That is their affiliate club. Um, I looked up some of their famous players, but I'd never heard of them. (laughs) But I'm going to read you some of their names. I know. I always love them. I always love it when you read me a list of names from the team that you research. You don't love that? Or you're, are I you do. Being, I feel like that's not genuine. Oh, it's genuine. I feel like you're being... I read you, my, I read you a list of names. I, I, I did uh, handpick out the ones that I had a feeling you would know. Well, everybody knows David Beckham. Okay. So these are the... According to this, the, to the Bleacher Report... These are the top 10 Arsenal players of all time. David Seaman. He uh, played from 1990 to 2003. That's a good long time he played. Um, he, that w- while he was with the Arsenal, they won three league championships and four FA Cups. Mm-hmm. I don't know what FA stands for. Football Association? Probably. Patrick Vieira. 
He was a good player, too. He was uh, French. Ray Parler. Okay. <laughs> Let's speed up this list here. <laughs> no, I'm going to read them all to you. <laughs> Very slowly and methodically. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to pronounce their names correctly, but none of the other ones I could really... I didn't, I didn't know. And there's a lot of... Liam Brady. I bet he's English, because that sounds like a pretty English name. Uh, played in the 70s. Beardsley. Thierry Henry played at some point. They don't have the date when he played on here. Anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs> so the, I believe, actually, in the uh, British movie Fever Pitch, which uh, was... The Keira Knightley. No. No. What, was, what, what, what soccer movie was she? She was in a soccer She was in Benham Lake Beckham. Lake Beckham. No, Fever Pitch, which they redid in a marathon with Jimmy Fallon ben, about the Red, the Red Sox. Sox. But um, in the British version of Fever Pitch, it's Colin Firth, and I believe he is an Arsenal fan uh, in that. Nice. I'm pretty sure. Um, but, you know, people in England get really up into their soccer. But... Oh, another interesting thing was the Arsenal um, is still there today. All, all the buildings are up. You can go and tour it, and they're actually um, going to repurpose some of it as housing and, like, uh, business space and stuff for small businesses in this oh. huge complex because it was It'd kind be of really abandoned. Cool if they had, like, retrofitted a field there and played a game, like an exhibition game or something. And yeah. You could, like, go in there and... That would be super that'd cool. That'd be pretty... No, that's, that'd be really interesting to... Uh, it's huge to... Like, go and see it. Uh, it's this huge space that's got all these buildings now that, you know, they don't use for a lot of things, but you can tour it. And I think it's the idea of retrofitting it and, like, using it for housing or something to help people is when it was made for something that to kill people, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what it made. But that is how the Arsenal FC got its name. From its lowly beginnings. From its lowly beginnings. As a rabbit farm. As a rabbit farm. Yep. And nice. expansions. Yeah. So that was my I love thing. It. I was going to do like the Manchester United, but that makes a kind of sense. Why I mean, there are some also pretty popular team too. I think you're all right. Yeah, I think it is pretty popular. <laughs> <laughs> but I was th trying to think of like British soccer club, football clubs that I had heard of. And it basically came down to Manchester United and Arsenal. Yeah. I know there's other ones. Yeah. Doesn't it make you feel stupid? Like, do you think there's people in England who are like, I know that there's other basketball teams besides the Chicago Bulls and the L.A. Lakers, but I just couldn't name any. Like, that is, I can't believe there are people who would think that. Yeah, I, I think there's, they would be like, there's a baseball team in Baltimore? Like, I don't. That they just wouldn't know or care. Right. Yeah, that definitely could be. But um, I do know that, I had a friend once who her aunt lived in Europe and married a European man, and they had kids and lived there and stuff. And whenever she would go over there and visit, and she'd be like, what well, can I bring the kids, and blah, blah, blah. And the aunt would say, oh, they just want, like, American sports apparel, like shirts and things with American sports teams. And she'd be like, well, what team? She said, it doesn't matter. It's They'll know it's American, that that's an American team. So I don't know. Maybe they do know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cool logos, though. There are so and many nice cool colors logos. and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, that's part of it, right? Yeah. There are a lot of cool logos. But that was our feeble attempt at background information on a sport that we don't watch and, you know, really know very little about the organization of European soccer. Though I do feel like we should know more. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very layered. That's what I, you know. Yeah. That's what you, I mean, that's what's hard for, as someone outside of, uh, outside of it as a, Rabbit fan base. See what I did there? Rabbit fan base. Oh, god. Uh, because, you know, you have the like, each individual country's teams, and, like, they have their own tournaments sometimes, and then they play. Right, it's hard, then, a little, it seems hard to keep track of. And there's the whole, like, European league, and, like, they have... And then there's FIFA, which is something different. And they have the World Cup, and, yeah, like, it's totally national different. teams, and, yeah, it's um, very, e very easy to tr keep track of if you're a fan. Like, right. Who's paying attention all the time, but uh, someone who... A casual observer. As a casual observer, you're just like, yes, tell me more about Christian Ronaldo's crazy statue. He's good looking. Um, and then I was trying to figure out a way that we could do Formula One, but... The, I mean, the team name is just Red The Bull. business, yeah. <laughs> yeah. McLaren. 
Renault. All right, so now we get to our categories. This is where we decide who is superior to the other person. Well, we don't even need the, we don't even need the gradient to know that you're superior. I, I mean, I think if we went back and looked at the ones that I've won, I've won the most, so I am the winning record. I would win this division is what I'm saying. Yes, you've already won. It's predetermined. All right. No, I haven't. Okay, so you went first, so we'll do um, yours. So we have four categories, and we get a score from one to five, five being the best, really good job, really amazing, and one being not great. If you remember, last week, last in our last episode, the Washington NFL team got a score of one, so yeah. it was well, the lowest scoring one. Can you blame them? If they pick the Red Foxes, though, that score's going up. Okay, first category, uniqueness of name for Real Madrid. I mean, the uniqueness... I mean, it's not unique because it's just Royal Madrid, but it sounds cool. So I'm going to say that's a three for me because we get to grade the other persons. I forgot to also right. say that. Yes, that's we fair. don't get to input on our own. That wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Second category, reflection of the town or city in the name. Obviously, very reflective. It's Royal Madrid. They play in Madrid, right? That's a four. Can't give you a five. They actually don't play. They play in Barcelona. No, I'm kidding. They do. Oh, <laughs> I believed you for a second there. They're actually not in Spain at all. They don't. They play in <laughs> Luxembourg. Um, interest behind the story. I thought yours was pretty interesting. With the, you did a good job tying in the flu and the... Oh. Flu, baby, baby naked babies. <laughs> I love babies. I'm going to give that a four, too. And then the last category is standing the test of time. I mean, they've been the, for a long time, they've been Real Madrid, right? Nin 1920 originally went, went away for a few years, came back. Yeah, they've been. They're going to be Real Madrid forever. I doubt they'll change it. I'm going to give that a five because they'll be that. Probably. So that is a total of. 21. No, that can't be possible. I did my math wrong. 16. What was I thinking? 16. That's a pretty good score for strong, Real Madrid. Strong performance. All right. Arsenal FC for you to judge me accordingly. Number one, uniqueness of the name. Zero. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. I would say out of five, out of five, four. Oh, I agree. It's a good name. Strong name, actually representative of the place they came from. That's good the name. next category, reflection of town or city. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a five. Yeah. Interest of the story behind the name. Yeah, I think that's it was a strong interest. Um, I like the, the um, Nottingham tie-in. They did them a solid. Nottingham did. Um, I really was. I was a little. I was kind of hoping though that there was a, some sort of rabbit comeback. I, you know, maybe if I looked hard enough at their logo, <laughs> there's like a tiny rabbit in the corner. No, there's no rabbit comeback. Um, but was, yeah, I mean that's a it's a solid story, and um, 1886 was represented. So, right. I mean, yeah, maybe a four again. I'm, yeah. Ooh. And the last category is standing the test of time. Well, there's a giant wall built around them, so. Well, the actual arsenal, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the team. Uh, I'll give that a four, too. It's going to. Ooh. Yeah. So let's see. That is 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, I just squeaked by. 17. Nice. I don't think I should have won this one, though, because I felt like your research was better. I don't. Uh, hey. We're in this together. I know. You're so good to me. <laughs> well, Arsenal squeaked this one out, which I'm sure they have. I'm sure it was penalty shots at the end. Yeah. Uh, and my goalie. There was you... that one where, like, they have to line up. Isn't that a kick? They line up and. That's one of the ones, yes. It's not yeah. the end stuff, though. No, the end stuff's just a kicker and a goalie. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, there's so much pressure on both those two people. Right? I know. I couldn't handle Especially it. Especially the goalie. He doesn't know which way the guy's going to kick it. No. Top. Bottom. And left, they fake right. it out all the time. Yeah. You know? And they can, like, make it go way. I mean, those nets, too, are the size of a garage. 
Yeah. You could park a car inside the nets. They're huge. And one little guy's got to defend that? doesn't yeah. really seem Maybe to. you should just get a really big guy as your goalie. That's what they do. I know, in I, I know you often say that about ice hockey. I do. <laughs> Remember the, what was the one show where they had a walrus or the, a manatee, right? And they tied it to the goal. What? Do you remember that? It's it some show. Sounds like a Simpsons thing, though. It does sound like a, I don't know if it was, but. But there is a great one where Lisa's the goalie. Right. Hack the bone. That's a fantastic episode. Yeah, it is a great episode. <laughs> oh, man. That's all we've been doing is watching the Simpsons and talking about sports in our household. So, anyway, that was our episode eight where we did european soccer i hope you enjoyed it make sure you follow us on instagram at go underscore team underscore stories we have a ton of new followers on instagram so thank you to everyone who's followed us um we also have a facebook and that you can just look up go team right on facebook yep and we're there too um and you can email us at go go team stories at gmail if you have a suggestion of what we should do. I think we have two more episodes maybe in this season. Because then we got to stop because I got to go back to work. I work in a school. Mm. School's starting. Mm-hmm. Our kids are going back to school. And we can't keep doing this every... <laughs> we got to take a break. I mean, it's been fine because we've been home. But dang, we got to, you know, pay bills too. Yeah. Or Blue Apron, you could give us sponsorship. <laughs> And then I don't or have to worry about it. maybe the, the, the boys over in Nottingham can throw us a bone. Listen, Nottingham, we're so poor. <laughs> and we don't have money to buy our Just kids give us some things. jerseys. We'll be fine. Give us some jerseys. Oh, I would love a Real Madrid your, jersey or an Arsenal jersey. Give me your used jersey. kits. Give your used kits. I learned what the word kit was. It, it was a banner day. Nobody says kits in America. Banner, banner day. For meaning your I'm going to start doing it when I coach my youth, uh, my youth teams now. My yeah. ch- our children's teams will be like, Put your, gonna, you put your kits on. And everybody will be like, what is this guy talking about? You're going to be that dad. So anyway, thank you to all of our new listeners and followers and everything. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show today. Yeah. And go team. Go team.